When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. This is your moment. Your time to shine. Your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employer's respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. L-A-S-I-K, LASIK.com. Have a ton of questions about LASIK? You're not alone. That's why we created LASIK.com. One place where you can go to find every answer to every question on your mind. Like, how much does LASIK cost? How long does recovery take? How do I find a doctor? If you've been thinking about LASIK, go to LASIK.com now. Yeah, LASIK.com. Easy to remember, so you know where to start. L-A-S-I-K, LASIK.com. Off the Record is a production of iHeartRadio. Hello and welcome to another bonus episode of Off the Record. I'm your host, Jordan Runtog. Thanks so much for listening. In our latest chapter, David Bowie went from Starman to Soul Man, trading high-concept sci-fi tales for the sounds that enthralled him as a boy, rhythm and blues. From the moment he first heard Tutti Frutti back in the 50s, he'd wanted to be Little Richard. Somewhere along the line, his gold shifted. But when he arrived in America in the spring of 1974 to mount his budget-busting Diamond Dogs tour, he began to reconnect with the music that had inspired him so long ago. This current tour was an overblown spectacle, weighed down with rigid choreography, strict music cues, and huge sets, not to mention the dark dystopian narrative. Impressive, yes, but all the theatricality didn't leave a lot of room for genuine emotion. A little David's heart and soul. Or in this case, Billy's soul. David's renewed love of R&B was stoked by his new girlfriend at the time, a striking young model and burgeoning singer named Ava Cherry. They'd met at an after-party for a Stevie Wonder concert in early 1973 and quickly hit it off. As she would later say, their romance had all the hallmarks of a fairy tale. Strolls in Paris, nights in an elegant castle, fancy dinners, cheering crowds, celebrity friends, and lots of great songs. Sounds almost like a Disney movie except for the fact that David was still technically married to his wife, Angie. That part's a little different. David fostered Ava's budding musical talent, recording her as part of a soul trio he'd assembled called the Astronettes. The group is short-lived, but the sessions are well worth checking out. In return, Ava acted as Bowie's guide for the American R&B scene. Her father had been a musician, and she regaled David with tales of life on the black blues circuit in 1940s Chicago. She also fulfilled his lifelong dream by bringing him up to Harlem's Apollo Theater to see some of the hottest R&B acts in the country. As we all know, David's reignited passion for soul led him to Philadelphia to cut the relentlessly funky Young Americans. The album featured Ava Cherry on backup vocals, alongside Robin Clark and a young Luther Vandross. Ava also joined him on stage as part of the so-called Philly Dogs tour in late 1974, But she also shared his private life as a girlfriend, 
loving a side of David that few would ever get to see. Their relationship wouldn't endure, but she continues to honor David in her music. Last January, she released a funked up version of Bowie's 1983 hit, Let's Dance. And this year, she joined the star-studded virtual tribute concert, belting out ferocious versions of Young Americans and fame, just as she did on the original recordings. In addition to recording a new album of original songs, she's also working on a film about her life with Bowie, which is slated to resume filming this summer, if COVID-19 allows. Ava spoke to me about her time with David and the memories and music that they shared during those golden years in the mid-70s. I suppose to start, take me back to the night you met David. Well, I mean, okay, here it is. You know, I just moved to New York, and the funny thing is that I was I was I was dating a guy who owned a hair salon, and I was modeling. And I, you know, I'd never lived in New York before. I was just getting myself together. And my and my friend who owned the um, the hair salon said. Listen for the New York New York Times, New York Daily News. Would you um, would you mind bleaching if we bleached your hair blonde and short? And uh, I was like, no, you know, I I was game. You know, <laughs> they said we need to, we need to bleach your hair up really like platinum blonde and like a short afro. And I said, okay, so I did it, and I was in the in the paper in in the in the, um, New York Times. And so a lot of people saw that and whatever. And then I got an agent and all this other stuff. So one day my agent comes to me and he has this album and he goes, Ava, listen, there's this guy named David Bowie and this is his new record. He's British. And he said, uh, he's going to be here soon performing at uh, Radio City. And, uh, you know, I just thought you might you know, like to, you know, listen to his record. I, I, I don't know how he got, because David wasn't well known here yet or anything like that. He was pretty well known in um, in Europe. So I, I took the, I said, okay, I took the record home and I, I listened to it. And I, I mean, I looked at it, the album cover, and I said to myself, wow, he, he's really, he's a good looking guy, you know, and, and, I, and I like that he's kind of strange and he's he's kind of different. <laughs> you know, and so then I put it on and I listened to start listening to the tracks and I was just blown away. I was just blown away. It was so different. It was so different. Moon Age Daydream was my favorite on the album, which David asked me when he first met me, uh, which one I liked the best. But um, I was also, you know, friends with Stevie Wonder. Well, I hadn't I hadn't met David yet, but I was friends with Stevie Wonder and he was in New York doing um, his show at Carnegie Hall. And so he said, well, you know, we're going to do the show, but we need a place to give a party after. And I was working in this club called Genesis that uh, the guy that owned the, um, what's, what's the Hibachi Steakhouse, Rocky Aoki, he owned the um, Benihana's of Tokyo. I don't know if you ever remember those. Oh, Benihana's. Yeah, yeah, I remember Benihana's. Yeah, Rocky, Rocky Aoki is, was the guy's name. And he owned also a club called Genesis on the east side. And I worked as a, as a cocktail waitress in there. And so I said to Stevie, I said, well, I work in this club called Genesis. I'm sure they'll let you give a party in there. It's a nice place to give a party. So they got a hold of the people. And the next thing we knew, the party was going to be at Genesis. So the night of the party, I show up. 
and you know, all dressed up, looking fabulous, because it was it, this was right after uh, Stevie's concert, and he did an incredible, incredible standing ovation concert at uh, Carnegie Hall. And so I walk in, as I'm walking in, <laughs> Steve is standing at the door. And Steve has this, Stevie Wonder has this incredible thing that he can sometimes know who's there even when he doesn't see them. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and as I was walking past, he goes, well, maybe smell my perfume. I don't know. He said, <laughs> he said, is that Ava Cherry? I said, Steve, how do you know it was me? He goes, I know, I know, right? So started off the night really good. Everybody was in a great mood because, as I said, his concert was stellar. I mean, he just sang his heart out, you know, that night, and he got a standing ovation. And so, you know, we're downstairs, and everybody's been invited, Gladys, and I think Aretha might have even been there. Just a lot of uh, more soul artists, you know, that, you know but some big names. So I'm standing there, so they, they start singing. So a song comes on and everybody in the room just starts singing in, in the room, whatever the song was, you know, all the great singers they are standing there singing. Like, you know, I wasn't really a professional singer yet or anything like that, but I was standing there with them, right? And so everybody's singing and uh, my man, my uh, agent comes up to me, goes, you're not gonna believe who's here. I'm like, who? He goes, that guy, David Bowie. I'm like, what? Because by this time, I played that record about 100 times, and I was, like, already smitten. I was in love, honey, just on, just listening to the music and looking at the picture, just because it was so different and it was so well done. I was like, oh, my God. He goes, I'm going to go get him and introduce to him. I was like, oh, my God. I was, like, freaking out kind of inside, you know, because so he brings him over, and David's wearing this, like, electric blue suit. And he has his hair is really high, it's real ziggy, and it was red, really red. And so he walks up to me, he goes, Ava, this is David Bowie. David, this is Ava Cherry. David says to me, Oh, it's a pleasure to meet you, Ava. And it just really, ah! <laughs> I was like, Oh my God. And he goes, I love your hair. And I said, I love yours too. So, you know, we both had this hair color thing in common, and that I was kind of weird. And and a black chick with you know blonde blonde uh, afro, and so anyway we start talking and we, and, and and oh and then they were singing and I was kind of singing in between while I was talking. He goes, "You're a singer," and so I said, "Well, yeah, you know, I mean, I wasn't a professional yet, but I wasn't going to say no. <laughs> I mean, any anything I think I can do, I'm going to say yes until you prove me that I can't do it. Okay, then I'll, then I'll be you know." Um, then I can't do it if I can't. But uh, anyway, so we were just, you know, then we started talking and he was like, well, you know, I've just done my my first album for America and, and uh, I'm playing Radio City this weekend. You know, I'm planning a a tour, a, a world tour, and I'm going to be in Japan. And I'm thinking maybe you might be good for this this uh, this part, for to, to do this. He said, you know, the look and everything like that. Now, if you can sing, that's really great. You know, and, you know, he heard me sing a little bit, but he said, you'll, you'll have, and I said, okay, uh, if you want me to. And I he said, well, I'll have to introduce you to my manager, Tony DeFries, and, you know, we have a rehearsal tomorrow at RCA. Can you make the rehearsal and, and do an audition? And I said, yeah. So the next day, I'm at RCA, and the Spiders were there. That's the first time I'd met them. Actually, 
I didn't really hang out with them too much when I first met David. Uh, I, I, there was a couple of times like when we did the 1984 show and all that other stuff where I really worked with them and, and Earl's Court and all that. But basically, I was in I was in the same room with the Spiders. It was great, you know. So anyway, I got on stage. I don't know what song we did. I sang. The manager heard me. He goes, "Yeah, I think she were great for this part, right?" So the next thing I knew, David said to me, "Okay, listen." You know, you're going to have to, um, well, we had dinner and, you know, all the other niceties. And, of course, I was just, just fall, I was smitten is all I can tell you. I was smitten. Oh, what was you your know, first date like? Oh, it was so nice because after we did the audition, he said, well, would you have dinner with me tonight? And I was like, and he says, well, go see a show or something, go, uh, go see a Live performance. I think Charlie Mingus oh, was, was wow. performing with him. Yeah, yeah. And I said, yeah. So I got all dressed up and, and I met him at the hotel and he was dressed and I was a gentleman. He opened the door. He was, he was just, he was just the best. And so we had the most wonderful dinner. And then we went to see Charlie Mingus and like, I really wasn't into Charlie Mingus because I didn't. I, he was kind of abstract for me, but David was really into it, and and he, you know, we, I, I got into it. I just because I love all music, but I, I just really wasn't familiar with Charlie Mingus when he was telling me about him. So anyway, we 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 saw that show, and and so he says, um, "Well, you want to come back and have some champagne at the hotel?" And I'm like, "Yeah, okay." <laughs> <laughs> why not why not i'm having a blast i'm having a good time so he was like well which song did you like the best on on that album and i said oh moon age daydream i love it i fell in love with it i'm so in love with that song he goes oh okay that's great you know and um so anyway we you know i spent the night there of course i spent the night there uh, where else was i gonna go i mean just wasn't anything better than that to do <laughs> And um, oh, we had the most wonderful romantic evening. And that was how it began. That is a, a beautiful first date. That is that is a first date for the books. And it really is. <laughs> but there was a problem. The tour never came together. What happened there? The tour that he was telling me that they wanted me to do got canceled because he got sick. He got the flu. And they said, oh, so what happened was, is I, I he told me he was going to call me to fill this in. And uh, he said, I'm going to send you the records that you're going to learn and tell you your ticket and everything like that. So, um, uh, uh, you know, we can get everything going. So I said, oh, yeah, OK, well, I have to go to Chicago and say goodbye to my parents before I go to Europe or anything. So I quit my job in New York. I got, I got rid of my apartment. I had everything set up and I was doing fine. I, you know, and, and, and I had the job at Genesis and then I was modeling and singing to whatever. And then uh, I get home after doing all of that. And three days after I was here in Chicago, I get a, a telegram saying, Ava, so sorry. David became ill and we have to cancel the tour. No. I was like, oh my God. Oh no, oh, no. My whole life, here I am back in Chicago and I had my life on the right track, you know? I was there. So I was, I, I was so depressed for a couple of days. I was trying to figure out what to do. And I had remembered that this guy that was from, from Germany, he had a place in, in the south of France, in Monaco. 
And he had asked me if if I wanted to spend the summer hanging out in Monaco. Now, I didn't really want to be with him. <laughs> so, when he, so, when he, so when he asked me, I told him no. But when this happened, that they sent me that telegram, I called him up and I told him yes. Because I just saw that it was my only way to get to Europe. I didn't really have the money to go. And that was my only way to get, you know, I heard that, he, you know, David spent time in France and in London and whatever, he was in France a lot. So I, I said yes. And so anyway, he sent me the ticket. And the next thing I knew, and I'd never been to Europe before, I was in Monaco. And I was like, what the, it's the most beautiful fucking place in the world. What the hell what am I doing here? It's so great. I mean, I was loving it. I mean, it was it was really beautiful. And of course, he was rich, this guy. So he was treating me very nice. But I didn't like him like that, you know? Oh, no. I didn't feel romantic. And he was really wanting to be romantic. Oh, God. I get, it's nothing worse than a guy who wants to be romantic with you when you don't want to be romantic with him. <laughs> <laughs> so, so but, I, but he was a nice person. I didn't want to. I wasn't trying to be mean, but I did see him as a means to an end, and I'm being honest. Um, anyway, so I was there for a little while, and he had a friend, another girl, that, that you know, that was older, and she apparently was was wealthy too. Her, her grandmother giving her another apartment uh, in, in in the south of France, you know. You know, they all hang out together. This was his, I suppose, maybe with somebody he might have been married to or whatever before or whatever, and, and they were still friends. Anyway, to make a long story short, I was starting to just, all I could think of was David, you know, and how I just wanted to find him. And um, and so my, she, she, she called me up one day and she said, Ava, listen, I am seeing that you are not liking Heinz like you are not really loving to be with Heinz. <laughs> and I was like, well, I don't mean to be anything mean. I just, I just, I just, I just want to go to France or something, I, I, you know. So she goes, would you feel better if you did not stay here in the apartment with him? And, and, and she says, my grandmother left me an apartment and you could stay there if you want for the rest of your time here. And I said, okay. So she moved me over there. So I was there one day and I had met this real nice guy and he was having tea with me, right? And he comes to the, the, the guy that invited me comes to the door and I open it and this guy is in there, but we weren't doing anything. We were just talking, okay? So he goes, okay, I can see that you don't, you know, want to be with me and you want to be with somebody else. So you want to go to Paris? I said, well, I would like to go to Paris. He said, okay. I said, but I need you to give me a thousand francs, so <laughs> because, you know, so I can, you know, he says, no, I'll give you the money. Just, uh, and I said, well, where do I go? He goes, you go to, to the, you get, try to find a hotel in the, near the Boulevard Saint-Germain and, and, and then, you know, try to go to the, the um, Cafe de Flore. And that's where all the celebrities hang out. That's where everybody hangs out. Who's anybody? So that's what I did. I got. I gave him the money. I I I I took the train, and I got in, and I checked into this this like all girls, all women's hotel, which was right like about five blocks away from the Boulevard Saint Germain, and and it was it was nice. It was clean. 
And um, so that was it. And then, I, you know, after about eight months, I started getting kind of because, you know, I would be hearing that David was had come to Paris from different people or reading it in the music papers or something. But I never, you know, you know, it was like maybe one time I, I, I read that. And so one day I'm in this bar and I hear them speaking in French and I hear them say, oh, he's David Bowie, uh, David Bowie. Yes. So when I heard his name, I went running down. I said, excuse me, to idea, David Bowie. And he said, oui, il est là-bas, chez Castel. So he's over across the street at, at Castells. I'm like, really? I'm like, really? He goes, we, we, we. So I'm like, I look cute. I look pretty. But I was not dressed as Castell because it was a very, you know, pearls and diamonds kind of a club. I didn't care. I just went running across the street. And it had like a stairwell that was spiraled down. And I, I went inside and I was looking down from the stairwell, looking around. And so David's bodyguard, Stewie, saw me. And he comes over, he goes, Ava, what are you doing here? I said, I came to find David. He can't just do me like that. I mean, we had such a wonderful time. And and, and, and I just, I quit my job. And I was saying all this stuff. He goes, oh, my God, the governor's going to freak out when he sees you. He called him the governor, the governor. The governor. <laughs> the governor. Right, and he's really cockney. He was like, that. you know, the governor's good when he sees you, mate, you know, all that. Anyway, so he, so David was sitting talking to this woman that was dripping in diamonds and pearls, right? He was talking to her, and so Stewie has my hand, and he pulls me up to, in front of David. And David's looking at her, and all of a sudden he turns and he sees me, and he goes, oh, Ava, what are you doing here? And I was like, I came to find you. I came to find you. I didn't want you to leave me. I was I, I quit my job and went home. And then you said it was canceled. And he was like, Oh wow! I'm, he says, I'm really sorry. I got ill. He said, But you came all the you came all the way over here just to find me. And I was like, Yes. He was like, Oh wow! And so he was talking to her. And then he just see. He said, Sit down. I said, Now. And the next thing I know, he said something to her, and then he goes, let's go. And that was it. And we walked out and got in the limousine and went to Deauville, which we had the most romantic evening. It was so wonderful. Deauville is the studio where he was recording pinups built in a, in a former castle. He took you to a literal castle. I mean, the, the fairy tale continues. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. It was a castle that, because I'd never been in a 17th century castle like that before, except, you know, you, you just go on, uh, to England and go to, and um, it was, it had like, you know, fireplaces that were as big as a wall, you know, like that, you know, and they'd made it into a recording studio. And we spent like a week there. It was heaven. <laughs> wow. It was heaven. That was, that was how it began. Now, what were you? What did you do when he when he wasn't busy, sort of attending to the business of being David Bowie, touring and recording and all that? What did you like to do together? What would, how would you like to spend a day or a night out in the town together? What would you love to do together? Oh well, we used to we would go and have dinner, and we'd walk by the Seine, and we would you know we'd go see other um, artists perform, you know, like you know uh, Ryan Ferry. He and Brian Ferry were good friends too, and you know. Um, they were great. We'd go see, you know, whoever would be performing. But basically, he just liked 
to you know do because that that wasn't during a, a drug time for David. He, he wasn't he wasn't doing drugs when I met him. He would smoke a little hash or something and drink red wine. So he was always he was so different. He was like so warm, you know, um, because he wasn't doing those things. And this was like you know the first year that I knew him, he wasn't doing drugs. And, so. And- so I know, and so, and then of course he loved to make love, and that was one of his That was a favorite of ours. Yeah. <laughs> now, at what point did you did you know that that Angie was also in the picture? Well, truthfully, I knew it early when I didn't because you didn't let me finish the story about when we were in the the hotel, and the next morning I was like, when we first met him in New York. And I was so excited and I felt like, wow, I feel like I'm in love. And I don't, I've never really felt like this before. I mean, I really was serious what I said. I, I had, because he was so different. And so we're lying there and all of a sudden the phone rings and he answers it and he says, hello. And, and he said, okay, okay. So he must've said, Angie was downstairs and send her up. So the door knocks, he goes and answers the door, and it's Angie. He opens the door, and I have a robe, his robe on. And so Angie goes, hello, darling, I'm sorry, I'm so good to see you, darling. And he goes, uh, Angie, this is Ava Cherry. Oh, hello. She kisses me and hugs me. Let's just see you. You know, I just, I, I just, I have to go back to London tomorrow night, and so I just wanted to stop and say something to you before, before I went. So I'm sitting there, like, what? <laughs> I'm like, so I didn't say much because I didn't know what to say. Right. <laughs> like, this is different. Yeah. So then she goes, okay, I have to go now. I have to go now. She was only there like 15 minutes, maybe 10, 15 minutes, but she was real nice to me and she leaves. So I I, I didn't know how I was going to say it to him. I said, so David, why didn't you tell me you were married? I said, I... I don't know if I would have been here right now if I'd if I'd known that. And so he said, he says, oh, no, we have an open marriage. She has a girlfriend and some, she has a boyfriend and, you know, and I'm, she does what she wants and I do it. I'm like, really? Are you serious? He goes, yeah, it's been that way for a couple of years. So by that time, I was already hooked. I was already smitten. There was nothing I could do about how I felt. I wasn't going to let him go. listen Jordan I didn't know and you know you're a man but I'm telling you I wasn't gonna let him go (laughs) I said well honey if she he says and she's she's fine with you know me you know being with you and I said well she may not be to myself I said she may not be fine after I finish here (laughs) (laughs) L-A-S-I-K LASIK.com Have a ton of questions about LASIK? You're not alone. That's why we created LASIK.com One place where you can go to find every answer to every question on your mind Like, how much does LASIK cost? How long does recovery take? How do I find a doctor? If you've been thinking about LASIK, go to LASIK.com now Yeah, LASIK.com Easy to remember, so you know where to start. L-A-S-I-K, LASIK.com. Okay, 
I love Walker Hayes. He's amazing. He's so fun. Such a great entertainer. And that's why I'm so excited that JCPenney and country music singer-songwriter Walker Hayes are partnering together on a new limited-time men's collection for the everyday guy. The Walker Hayes for JCPenney collection is an upbeat playlist of instant classics with laid-back appeal and down-home vibes. As a dad of seven kids, he knows exactly what fathers want and need when it comes to their style. This collection reflects his casually cool styles with outdoor-inspired details and versatile colors. Perfect for the guy living the t-shirt life or someone wanting some fresh options that feel just as good. It's easy to wear affordable styles that celebrate the ultimate family man, along with the quality, durability, and sensibility dads appreciate. Available online Saturday, May 4th at jcp.com and in-store Thursday, May 16th, just in time for Father's Day. Limited time only. JCPenney, make it count. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snag a Job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, tempt to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snag a Job's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. I wanted to ask you about the recording sessions you did with David for the Astronauts. What was he like working with in the studio? Like, I, I imagine he must have been a real perfectionist. Oh, wow. He was. But, but, but he was, you know, he was a perfectionist, but he would just kind of already know what he really wanted. So mm. he, he made it feel comfortable. He made it feel fun is what I'm saying. It wouldn't, it never felt like, oh, God, recording with this guy. It was like, it was fun. I had a boss. And, um, you know, he would, uh, you know, no, just, I mean, that's basically it. I mean, every, anything we worked on, like, you know, we worked on the astronauts, which were all, which were meant to be only, uh, demos because we hadn't finished them. And he told me we were going to finish them, but then he had this thing with Tony DeFreeze with the whole thing about the money. And so he had to stop producing me and, 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 and it never got finished. And Tony went ahead and released it with, with just demos. Oh, I see. I, what did he? Is there a lesson from him that 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 you learned from him during these sessions that sort of sticks with you this to this day? What, what's something that that he taught you musically? Oh my God, he he taught me a lot of things, not just musically, but I mean, he taught me to appreciate, you know, a lot of things. You know, classical music, all music. I mean, I, I love classical music now because I started out with Vivaldi with him and and in and, and, and films, German Expressionism and Andy Warhol. I mean, he taught me a lot of things. I was I was a savvy, street smart young lady, but he you know, I wasn't I wasn't an, an intellectual, but now I am. <laughs> <laughs> 
And so he taught me, you know, he taught me how to, you know, work the stage and the lights. You know, when we were on stage together, he'd go, okay, I want you to to come. I want you to go up the stairs. I want you to be at the top and the spot's going to be on you. And then I want you to slowly come down the stairs. And then I want you to start to sing, blah, 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 blah. So he just taught, he was my mentor. You know, he taught me, you know, it wasn't just a, a love relationship, which, which, I mean, I, I, I did love him. He's the, he's the first man I really loved like that. And, um, but he just taught me, you know, how to, how to handle myself. Like one, one time, I remember we were at an Andy Warhol party and, and, and they were drinking, you know, great champagne. I love champagne. And so I was drinking and I was getting a little bit drunk. I just, I hadn't learned how to drink it to a point where I didn't feel drunk yet, but I got a little bit drunk. And so it was the other side of the room and David, I was talking to somebody and then I wasn't talking to me. David walks over to me and he goes, Ava, so listen, you, you're a little bit drunk, aren't you? And I said, oh, I guess I am. He goes, okay, but you know what? The press is looking at you and they're taking your picture. So do you want to be in the in the magazine or the paper tomorrow, you know, looking drunk? And I said, no. He goes, well, well, I, 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 I just told you and you're with me. And I, I immediately stopped and it never happened again because I just... I didn't realize it that the that the press was taking my pictures all the time if I was near him. You know what I'm saying? That must have just been the, the the energy shift of walking into a room together. That must have been strange to be on the receiving end of, of all those flashbulbs and all that attention. Oh my god. Was that I mean hard? at first it was well, at first it was kind of strange, but then I got used to it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, but I'm just saying I didn't, he, but he was being so honest with me. He wasn't angry with me because I was drunk. He was just saying, don't do it outside of the, of the house because people are going to take your picture and try to, you know, make you look bad, you know? And so I, I appreciated that he did, that he told me that. It was, it was a, and, and, and when the, from then on in, whenever we would go out, nothing, I would just be, you know, so yeah, it was just, I, I just, he taught me so many things, Jordan. I can't even just say one, but the music, you know, we appreciate, he loved soul music, which is why we ended up with Young Americans. Cause he was like, I want to do a soul record. I love Marvin Gaye and Aretha Franklin and Michael Jackson. And he says, you know, and, and that was when we started talking about doing a solo album. What was it like going up to the Apollo together and seeing the main ingredient and the spinners? I mean, that must have been incredible. He must have flipped. Well, he flipped because I'd seen all those people before. But I'm saying, yeah, because and, and, I said to him, he goes, well, where do we go? I said, we got to go to the Apollo, which is where all the great groups perform. And he said, OK, well, I got to find some people. So somebody attached him to... Carlos and, and 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 because Carlos was with the main ingredient, and and so he sent me on to New York, and then he came like two weeks later, and and then we we went to the Apollo, we we drove up to the Apollo in the limousine, and you know that he had on a red suit with the red hair, and I had him up, and we drove up, and all these black people were standing on the corner, and they go, "Who's that?" And I said, <laughs> "I said that's David Bowie." He said, "David Bowie." I said, David Bowie. He's like, oh, okay. 
okay, you guys have fun. It was, it was just so funny. You know, the, the, no black people did not know David until I started being with him and, and all that. They really didn't. They didn't appreciate him until afterwards. Okay, then we did Young Americas, and so then we went in and we were watching. It was Richard Pryor too was on that bill. The, the, the spinners, the the uh, temptations, the main ingredient, and David just enjoyed that show so much. He enjoyed it so much. He was like, "Wow!" So then he had already uh, somebody had put him in touch with 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 Carlos, I guess, and so that was what happened. And and the next thing we knew, um, David had already decided where we were going to record, which was at Sigma Sound, and. Um, that was where they brought Luther to the studio, and that's where he met Luther Vandross. Oh, well, I mean, all those incredible Philly soul records coming from Sigma Sound. I mean, that, that what were those sessions like with Luther Vandross and, and Robin Clark and, and Carlos Alomar? What, what were those those sessions like? Those must have been fun. Well, yeah, they were hard work, though. Yeah. <laughs> it was hard work. You know, it, it, we, I mean, uh, even though we did have fun doing it, I mean, I had— I, I had fun because I was with David. <laughs> I mean, I was with him after it, but but it was but when we were in the studio, it was hard work. David didn't. Um, David was about getting the work done, so he wasn't about playing around. We were in there, and we were all working real hard, especially on that song. Right, that was the hardest oh. song in the world to do. Lord, mercy, Jesus, <laughs> it was hard. But it was it was it was a great experience. And the funny thing about the Philly Sound people is that he had asked those guys to all play on the record and they didn't do it because I think they were kind of scared about him being a white artist and it had always been, um, you know, black artists that they had done stuff with. So he, so, but David didn't mind when they said no. He just got his own band together, you know. He was just, yeah, very independent. Your father was also a musician, and it sounds like David got a lot of sort of style tips from your dad, like silk ties yeah, and the pants. How did they get along? Oh, my dad was like, you know, the coolest dude. He was like, he, he, he they got along like a house on fire. Please believe me. I, I, um, I, he came to uh, my house, uh, my parents' house. And uh, for dinner, and he saw my dad's. I was showing him like this is when my dad was in a in a, he he opened he was with a band called the Benny Latham Band, and uh, they opened for like Count Basie and some other people wow. or whatever. And and he and um, he, they wore these zoot suits in the in the in the bandstand. And so I said, "This is my dad's zoot suits," and, and he was like, "What?" So then I think he tried the jacket on and it looked really cool on him. So he had Freddie to knock off suits that were similar to that gouster look. And that's where the word gouster came from, from me. I'm the one that told him about the gousters in Chicago. They all wore baggy pants and they all wore big, big, uh, you know, zoot suits kind of clothes. And what is the word? Mean? Is it basically like cool dude? Yeah, gouster. You know, instead of gangster. <laughs> oh, I never made that connection. Yeah. Yeah. So, but I mean, they made everybody keeps trying to say, talk about that word. He only knew about that word because of me. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, nobody, nobody else knew. And he started changing, making songs and, you know, the gouster and all that. And I was like, okay, whatever. And all the clothes. 
He's, you know that that outfit with uh, you know the, the 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 flight suit. That was my flight suit and the shoes he had on. The shoes too? I didn't know the, the shoes, shoes too. too. He could wear my he could wear my <laughs> shoes. I couldn't believe it. I got big feet though. I got I wear size nine. <laughs> <laughs> so, but anyway, so yeah, I mean, you know, he really dug my dad, and my dad dug him. My dad was a musician, so he was totally into the mentality. You know, one of my great heroes is is John Lennon. Tell me about being at the Electric Lady Studios sessions for for Fame and Across the Universe. I've been dying oh, to ask God. you about that. That that was so incredible because you know in the and you know in the museum uh pieces that you know remember David David Bowie is and all the countries that it was in and everything like that. Oh the exhibitions, yeah, yeah. Right. Well I, I represented here in Chicago. I didn't know it myself, but in some of the plastic cases that they had David's artifacts in, David had his diary. And there was this one page and my friend said, Didn't you see didn't you see this about you? And I'm like, what? I, there was maybe two things in, that he wrote down about me in his diary. But he said, today I introduced Ava to a Beatle. I think it was genuine. <laughs> yeah, he said, today I introduced Ava. That's what he said. I, I couldn't believe it. It was this one page, and they took it out, and they put it in the in the clip case. And he said, today I introduced Ava to a Beatle, and we're going to do oh. Fame. We're going to work on a song called Fame. And that was, that was how it started. Wow. David doesn't strike me as somebody who's easily starstruck, but I imagine that it's hard not to be around <laughs> John Lennon. Oh, no, no. So then while we're in, we're in a lecture late and waiting for him, right? We're all set up and everything. He goes, he turns around to me, he goes, wow, I wonder if he's, I says, I'm so excited to meet John Lennon. He goes, I wonder if he wears those granny glasses all the time. <laughs> and so I said, oh, I don't know, you know, man. The doorbell rings, the door opens, and there's John with the granny glasses on. Ah, he was like, unbelievable. D David turns around to me and looks and goes, oh, he's got the granny glasses on, right? So then John comes in, hello, David, hello, mate. You know, they were talking like that and everything. And um, he was like, it's a pleasure to work with you, mate. It's a pleasure to pleasure. So then they started, they were talking and whatever. And then um, John was jamming on the 12th string. And he was playing across the universe. Oh, it was oh, so beautiful. Wow. He was playing. And he goes, you know, you know, oh, I'm really enjoying myself today. You know, there's not a lot of sessions I love or enjoy, and I'm really enjoying myself today. And David just looked and said, "Oh, really? Oh. That is so great." So then Yoko comes in with a great big tray of sushi and says, "I love lunch," and she puts it down and she leaves. And I understood exactly why they didn't like her. It was because she was women's lib, and I didn't I didn't know it until I met her. She was like women's rights, uh, women being treated equally, and that was like how John treated her. He treated her like a queen, and so that was that was what happened there. But it was it was it, we, and so then uh, at one you know the thing 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 did that part right there. David tells me, go in there and just keep saying, I said, why? He goes, just do it. <laughs> so I went in, I went in and, I, and I did it. And that's what they ended up with, with his, between his voice and, and, and John's and mine mixed together. 
That is an incredible trio. That's got to be fun being part of that trio. Oh, it was so much fun. It was so, it was so, and like I said, I didn't know why he asked me to do it. Because uh, I didn't, I never heard of them doing it like that. But anyway, so that was great. And, and, um, and then, then after we finished you know, doing um, the session, we went back to the Dakota and had dinner with them, you know, and uh, and we just sat up all night and, and, and talked. We just had the best time with, with Yoko and John. John always seemed like he had an incredible sense of humor. He must have, that must have oh been a funny. Oh, my God. He, made you, he would make you laugh and, and stuff. He would just, he was really hysterical. And, uh and and she had like this 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 herbal room, you know, because in the Dakota, it's like nine huge rooms, like in a big house in a mansion, and they had like a well maybe not nine, but at least six big rooms. And she had one room where she did her art and everything like that, and one room where she had her her plants and her herbs and all of that other stuff. And she was real sweet, real sweet. I know that. David hung out with Mick quite a bit, Mick Jagger, during this period. What was their relationship like? Was it a rivalry? Was it a friendship? Was it all the above? No, no, it, it wasn't. It wasn't a rivalry. It was though two tough guys, two guys that are hot mm. during the same period, two different kind of genres. Because David was glam rock, and Mick was like, you know, the honky tonk blues, you know, rocker. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, and and they were. They were, um, they admired one another. They admired what one another did. And so we used to hang out together and go out to dinner together and party together and all that other stuff. And they became good friends. One of my favorite songs from, from Young Americans, Can You Hear Me, which I, I believe David wrote for you. What, what is what is it like for well, you to hear that song now? Yeah, uh, David didn't write Can You Hear Me For Me. He wrote, Can You Hear Me? He wrote way back with Lulu. But, but I mean, I don't know whether he did or not. He never told me he did. I'm just saying that it, when I was first with him, he wrote it and then Lulu sang it. And, and I, I didn't know. Sometimes David would write songs. He wouldn't tell the person if it was about them or not. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But you know, it would be like the songs that would be about me would be like stay, stay. It's what I had to say or do something. What I never say is stay this time. I meant to so bad because when we, because you could never really tell when somebody wants something you want to. So it was about me wanting to be a superstar too. I did. And, and, um, and, and that was one song, Stay, and it was the other song, Golden Years. Listen to the words. Don't let me hear you say life's taking you nowhere, angel. In walked luck and you looked in time, always walk tall, act fine. Because I, he, he walked in and, I, and we attached to each other. And from then on, he was trying to help me. And he saw, you know, and so, you know, and I was, and that I was young and I was super young, you know, and he was that, uh, so there's a, there's a, there's a lot of things like that. There's, those two songs, Golden Years and Stay. That must bring back when you hear them, just so many memories. I mean, well, I can't imagine what that's like to hear a song that, that, that's that enormous and know, oh, that's, that's about me. I'm a part of that. How does that feel? I know. I know. No, it did. But it, it used to make me feel sad. 
It used mm-hmm. to make me feel sad and tearful, but now, now I, you know, I just enjoy that. I know that it was about me. I hope you feel proud. Oh, I feel proud. I do. I do. I, I mean, I know because when, when David and I broke up, it wasn't because of anything like me cheating on him or him cheating on me or me doing something wrong. It was because of the business and main man was all messed up and they and, and the money was all going crazy and he didn't know where his money was and all that. So he just wanted to break from everybody and anything that seemed like response that he had to be responsible for. You understand? And so... I've stayed in love with him for so long because I knew I didn't do anything wrong for us to break up. It wasn't, Mm -hmm. it was just a circumstance. And, um, and, you know, I mean, I was loyal to him to the end. I I was, you know, and uh, I think a lot of the people that were around him, they hated that I was with him, that I was there so long because I think they thought, as I think Angie thought that I was just going to be like, you know, a couple of months and I was going to be a flash in the pan. But I told you <laughs> she made a mistake when she did that one. <laughs> that, that seemed like such a, a difficult period. I mean, in Los Angeles in 1975, when, when you were living with Claudia Jennings, and that seems like such a, a, a dark period. I mean, just w- w- was it business and money issues? Was it just the people he was well, surrounding yeah, him with? No, that's what it was. It was business and money issues because when, when, I, when, when he had to go to L.A., he said to me, you know, I'm leaving tomorrow for L.A. And, you know, they had gotten me an apartment. Main man got me an apartment. But it was just I was by myself. I would have been by myself. And, you know, I was really so truthfully, I don't know. I was always getting into these magical situations where something would save me from total disaster. And I was crying and, and I the phone rang and I answered it. And it was my girlfriend, Claudia. And she said, Ava, I'm in I'm in New York. What are you doing? I want to see you. I was crying. She goes, why are you crying? And I said, well, I'm breaking up with David and I'm, I don't know what to do. And I, he's going to leave me here. And I just feel kind of like, I don't know what to do with myself. And she goes, well, why? I said, well, he's going through some money problems and things. She said, you stay right there till I get there. So she came over and he didn't know who she was because I'd never talked about her. The doorbell rings, she comes in, and she was this really ballsy, you know, white girl that just was like a playmate that, you know, all the had a fucking drop dead body and everything like that. But she would think like a man. I mean, she would do business like a man. She was really like, you know, she was just a tough broad, you know what I'm saying? And all the men loved her because she was beautiful, but she had brains. And so she, she comes in and she goes, she walks over to him and she I said, This is my girlfriend Claudia, David. And he goes, Hello. She goes, she didn't even like give him the nicety. She's like, why are you, are you going to leave Ava here by herself and you're going to go somewhere else? And after all this time you've been together and, you know, and he, what did she do? She did something wrong. And she started talking for me. So he's looking at her like, who is this bitch? <laughs> <laughs> Reading him the riot like, act. Yeah, but the truth of the matter is that he was respecting her because he knew that what she was saying was right. Yeah. He goes, well, I, I can't go into explaining it right now, but, yeah, you know, I, I, I got to go tomorrow. And so she goes, OK, well, I'm taking her with me. I'm taking her to Jamaica and then we're going to go to Barbados and then we're going to go back to L.A. No, she said L.A. Yeah, she said. So he just said, OK, like that. So we said our goodbyes and she said, pack your things. I packed my stuff and she just whisked me off. And that was it. I don't know what happened to the apartment they got for me because I never went. <laughs> I just went with her. 
And and she saved me because she saved me all kinds of ways. She saved me mentally because I, I would have been like destroyed mentally. Like, what am I going to do with myself now? And and she saved me that she took me to like, you know, because she was real good friends with Chris Blackwell, who owned Island Records. And he was in love with her. So we went and stayed with Chris and everything for a while. And we had a ball. <laughs> then we ended up back in L.A., which is where she lived. And she lived up uh, Wonderland, and uh, so we're there. And I had I had told David's lawyer, um, Michael, what was Michael's last name? Oh, Lippman. Yeah, Michael Lippman. You know, you know more than I do. You remember more than I do. Michael Lippman, and um, I called him when I got to L.A. with her, and I said, Michael, listen, can you please ask David to call me? Please tell him that I'd I'd, I'd love to talk to him. And so he goes, I'll tell him. So he did, and it was a full moon that night, and I remember the phone rings, and so she answers it, and she goes, oh, Ava, she answers me the phone, and he goes, hello, darling. I said, David, you know, he goes, what are you doing here? I said, well, we went to the islands, and then, you know, she Claudia lives here. He goes, she lives here, and I said, yeah, she's a, she lives up Laurel Canyon. He goes, well, that's where I am. He goes, I'll be down there in 10 minutes. I said, okay. So I told her, I said, well, he said he was coming down. She said, that's okay. She was a cool bitch. I was really saying, cool. That's really cool. <laughs> oh, my God. She, she, got, she died. She died really young. She died when she was like yeah, 31. She in a car accident, a really oh. bad car accident on, on um, Pacific Coast Highway. Oh, awesome. But um, anyway, uh, yeah, she had, her, her life was brief. But anyway, so the doorbell rings. And it's David, and I'm so happy to see him. I mean, my eyes, I know my eyes looked like I was happy because I was. I just missed him so much. And so, you know, we hugged. And, we, and so I look down and I see he has two suitcases. And I said, David, why have you got your suitcases? He goes, I'm going to stay with you guys for a while. <laughs> I'm like, but this isn't my house. You can't <laughs> I swear to God. I said, this isn't my house. You know, and so Claudia's standing there. I said, Claudia, she goes, that's okay. That's okay. I'll work out something. She, I mean, this is how she was talking. She wasn't She wasn't phased or upset about any of it. She was actually intrigued by him because of she knew, knew who he was. So she was intrigued. So she was like, she was an adventurous girl, honey. She liked adventure. So the next thing we knew, he spent the night there and because her boyfriend lived there. Bobby Hart, who was the, the who who made the monkey. Oh, Boyce and Hart, yeah, 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 yeah. Bobby Boyce, that that was, I mean, uh, Bobby Hart, that was her boyfriend. Oh man. And so, uh, anyway, so the next day she comes, she goes, "Listen, darling, I fixed it." I go, "What?" She goes, uh, "I asked Natalie Wood and Robert Wagner could uh, borrow their apartment for about two months, and they're in they're in Europe." So they said yes. So it had like a a, a two bedroom apartment and uh condo so we went there and we stayed there for about a month and a half something like that all three yeah. of you or just you and david yeah. no all three of us she had her own her own room and we had ours yeah and you know that still didn't save us because he was going through still his mental things about what had happened to him plus he was you know there was you know he was uh, being plagued by all these um, 
people, Alistair Crowley people and people that he was feeling like things, you know, uh, uh, occult things are going on and all that other stuff. So he was kind of in that vibe by that time. Yeah, it seemed like he he was dealing with a lot of personal demons at that time. Yeah, yeah, and I and I was and we had you know we it was like I I knew to myself I said well this is probably it because I could see that he was still very much affected by this what was going on and it it was it was super emotional for him so you know. That was one one of the last times we saw each other. We saw each other a couple more times. And he had rented Marilyn Monroe's house, and he invited me there. Oh wow! What what was that like at Marilyn's house? It it, it was it was it was beautiful. It was kind of creepy because I was like, "It was this Marilyn's house?" I'm like, "Really?" I mean, it, it was a beautiful house though. Had a nice pool and everything, and so I think we were. I think we were good until Claudia decided she was like dating Ronnie Wood. And they invited her, they invited us to Montauk when they were doing the Steel Drums tour or rehearsing. So she asked me if I wanted to go and I and I said yes, because Ronnie said, bring Ava. So, you know, because Ronnie was a friend of ours. I mean, David used to, we all used to hang out together. So we got there and... Um, you know, Mick and I and, and David had all hung out together before, so Mick knew me real well, right? And um, and we we got there, and so uh, apparently Mick had gotten into an accident. He fell through a glass and, and, and cut his arm, so he had his arm in a sling. And um, so we were all, they were rehearsing, and so we were all laughing and having a good time, and all of a sudden Mick walked in, and he saw me, and he was like, Oh wow, Ava! What was Ava doing? And so, anyway, make a long story short. At the end of the night, I ended up hanging out with Mick because I knew Mick like that, you know. And so, uh, and my girlfriend Claudia, she was hanging out with Ronnie. And um, but some kind of way, David heard about it, and I think that was the last straw. That was that was the thing that made him that made us break up because. Even though I'd never done anything, I mean, never uh, ever done any uh, um, uh, betrayed him with any other man outside. You know, uh, when we were together, I think it was when because things were so sensitive. And and my thing about Mick was that he was a friend, and I needed somebody to reach out to that knew David. Do you understand what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. To feel I, I needed, connected. I needed, and yes, I needed that emotional that we had all hung out together and laughed and. Had a good time, and, and I felt comfortable with uh, being around Mick. But you know, David didn't see it like that. So you know, when uh, I, I tried to call him, I tried to call him, and I called Mamie, and I said, "Can you please ask David to call me?" And so one of the girls said, "He's he's he's mad at you." And I said, "What?" She goes, "Because he heard you were up in Montauk with with, with Mick with the Stones." And I said, "Oh." And it was really nothing I could say because it was what it was. Yeah. <laughs> and but I still loved him. The only reason that I reached out to you know, is because I, I Mick, we were all friends and he was such a cool guy. But I, I also just felt emotionally kind of 
good with him. You know what I'm saying? And so, um, and I, I, I was just desperate to be around anybody that we were together, that we'd have been together with somebody. And, and, and so, you know, I, I guess I didn't really realize that, you know, that he would be jealous that, you know, of that. And, but I guess I, I guess that's that's a, a feather in my cap that he would be because a lot of men might not have been. You know what I'm saying? So, <laughs> I guess I guess I guess that must have missed something. So you know, but like I said, I still I still carried on loving him for a, such a long time after that. L A S I K. LASIK.com. Have a ton of questions about LASIK? You're not alone. That's why we created LASIK.com, one place where you can go to find every answer to every question on your mind. Like, how much does LASIK cost? How long does recovery take? How do I find a doctor? If you've been thinking about LASIK, go to LASIK.com now. Yeah, LASIK.com. Easy to remember, so you know where to start. L-A-S-I-K, LASIK.com. Okay. I love Walker Hayes. He's amazing. He's so fun. Such a great entertainer. And that's why I'm so excited that JCPenney and country music singer-songwriter Walker Hayes are partnering together on a new limited-time men's collection for the everyday guy. The Walker Hayes for JCPenney collection is an upbeat playlist of instant classics with laid-back appeal and down-home vibes. As a dad of seven kids, he knows exactly what fathers want and need when it comes to their style. This collection reflects his casually cool styles with outdoor-inspired details and versatile colors. Perfect for the guy living the t-shirt life or someone wanting some fresh options that feel just as good. It's easy to wear affordable styles that celebrate the ultimate family man, along with the quality, durability, and sensibility dads appreciate. Available online Saturday, May 4th at jcp.com and in-store Thursday, May 16th, just in time for Father's Day. Limited time only. JCPenney, make it count. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, snag a job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, tempt to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position, warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, snag a job's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. Do you remember the last time you were in touch with David, either in person or on the phone? Oh, no, long time, long, long. By the time I tried to reach out to him, I, uh, he was already in, it had already been diagnosed with cancer. I think it was in chemo. He was, they weren't letting him, giving him his emails or sending him his emails or whatever. Um, I just, I just, the last time I saw him was when he and Iman got, uh, engaged and Iman who I knew before they were together but I didn't know that they were dating each other and I don't know even if they were dating each other during that time it was just just it just so happened that you know um 
we were uh, a friend of mine had invited me to their engagement party. And so I was, you know, I got all dressed up and, and I think I looked fabulous. And of course she looked fabulous. She always does. And she walks over to me and she says, Ava, look at the engagement ring Dave, David gave me. Hmm. So I, I said, I, I said, that, that's really wonderful, Iman. I hope you two will be very happy. And I mean, I, I, I didn't wish any, I wish that they would be happy, but I felt hurt inside. I did. I have to admit. I felt, wow. You know, it was, I mean, it was, it was time. I mean, it was, it was a while after me that he started dating her. And I guess just in my heart, I never, I didn't think he was going to be with another black girl. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> But you know, then 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 the then the billboard came out with an article that said before there was Iman, there was Ava Cherry, and that's right because yeah. Iman always says that she knows David Jones. I didn't really know David Jones. I knew David Bowie. Really? Yeah. I mean, I didn't. David Jones. She he showed his David Jones side when he stopped doing drugs and everything like that. But he, I I saw David Bowie. I mean, I was there with, you know, some of the most prolific stuff, early prolific, prolific stuff. But I just, you know, but I mean, you know, I, I understand that people can, you know, I believe he loved me. I certainly loved him and I believe he loved me. He showed me and whenever we took pictures together, he always looked at me as though he loved me and the way that he treated me. But, you know, you could love more than one person in a lifetime. And he found someone else that he loved dearly and deeply. And I and I was glad that he did. I was glad. I was glad that those times of, you know, the drug stuff and, 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 and the emotional feelings about other things going on was gone. And that he found someone that he could feel, you know, uh, you know, calm with and, 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 and love and, and love him back. I. I, I never saw it as something, you know, in any kind of affront to me. I saw it as that that phase that I was with him, he loved me. And then he went into another phase. And, and, and that's, and I mean, I've loved, I've loved more than one person than him. So I'm just saying that that's what happens, you know. And I was glad that he was, you know, well and happy and, and all of that. Is there one memory for you that's sort of like a snapshot that for you encapsulates your time together? One that's that's really one of your favorite moments together. I, I would I would have to say when I first met him that night in the, in the club and 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 in Deauville because we were like it was in Deauville it was like being in this incredible castle with and just it was all about love. And being together and being warm and then doing the music too, but it was, it felt so right. I would have to say Deauville was one of the most beautiful times of my life. And you keep them alive in your music. You re recently released an amazing cover of, of Let's Dance and you, you've covered a few of his songs too, Moon Age Daydream and Life on Mars. Uh, what are you working on now? I know you have an, an album due out soon. Well, now I just, you know, I, during the summer, I had a song out called Testify Love that's, that's, uh, that's out there, which I think is a great song. And, and I wrote it and, and produced it. And, and 
in my soul came like about a couple months ago. Uh, and right now we're working on a film about my life with him. So we work, we, we you know, the COVID has slowed down. We, we were going to start shooting in last March, but then the COVID slowed everything down. So we're still working on that and it's going to be brilliant. I'm just, I mean, it's going to be, it's just going to be good. It's going to be the truth. It's going to be, to some like a fairy tale because it certainly was to me. I, I never knew anybody that, with, that, that had those experiences like I did. I felt like a princess. I did. The black princess. <laughs> and, you know, they and, you know, my fans, he started them calling me Black Barbarella because when that, we did the 1980 floor show, they had me wearing these real futuristic outfits. And so I was like Jane Fonda. Like Jane and Fonda, Barbara. yeah. <laughs> yeah, so they called me Black. And I had a fan club. They had my fan club, Black Barbarella. And so he would call me Black Barbarella. He would go, okay, who's a clever girl, Black Barbarella? <laughs> <laughs> I just thought that he, but, but that was his favorite thing was me, who's a clever girl? If I would do something, because I was always trying to do things that would make him say, wow, you did that? Or, and whenever I do something amazing, he'd go, who's a clever girl? <laughs> That's Black, incredible. Black Barbarella. <laughs> You mentioned learning a lot from David. What do you think he learned from you? What was your impact on him, you think? You know, I contributed a lot to this pop culture. And I think that also what I contributed to David was his his making him feel less vulnerable to people because we would sometimes get out of the limousine and people kids would rush up to him and go, David and he would he would he would like he would like, you know, kind of jump back like he was you know, maybe be afraid. And I said, David, don't be afraid. These are your fans. They love you. They love you. And he started seeing that when people would come up to him, he wouldn't, he wouldn't recoil. He would, and, and, and he even said that to me. He says, you make me feel good when I'm around other people. And, you know, I just think that that's what he saw in me. He saw that I, I, I was a good person. I was, I didn't have a mean bone in my body. I've run into people that I've talked to knew over the years. And I said, what was I like? Because I can't remember everything. They said, Ava, and I mean, I'm not stroking myself. They said, Ava, you were so sweet and so nice. You never were mean to anybody. You were always, anybody that, you know, wanted to speak to David or talk to, you know, you were always just sweet. And I and that made me feel good because I never thought I was a bitch of any kind <laughs> and I never tried to be, you know, I never did. I felt lots of daggers in my back, though, a lot, you know, from a lot of people that didn't want me around because they thought I had too much influence over David, you know, and that that bothered me because I I never tried to make any enemies or anything like that, but it was just the nature of the beast that being around someone like David, who everybody wanted and everybody wanted to be around and everybody wanted to sleep with, everybody wanted to work with, everybody, you know. That baggage just must have been so tough to deal with when you just you just wanted it to be you too. And sometimes I'm sure you wanted to just go down, walk down the banks of the Seine or go to a have a, a dinner together at a restaurant and not yes. be in the back room and just be like normal, a normal couple in love. Yes. And we and we had those opportunities to do just that, you know, because a lot of the the uh, musicians, you know, they weren't really on the social you know, David, David loved and respected all of his musicians. Uh, but, you know, his private life, he kept pretty private. Yeah. And it wasn't about, you know, having, you know, 
dinner with the whole band or anything like that or whatever. Like, I mean, you know, he did it, but it, he did not, it was not, like, if he was with someone that he wanted to be with, like a woman or whatever, no, it was more, you know, he would do things, but he wanted to be with that person that he was with. Um, but like I said, he taught me so, so many things about just, you know, uh, how to, just how to, how to, to be in the rock world and just in and flourish and be okay and be in, 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 you know, my mom is always saying to me, if you die tomorrow, you've done more than a whole lot of people done in their whole lifetime. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, okay. yeah, I guess maybe that could be true. Uh, maybe that could be true. That could be true. Off the Record is a production of iHeartRadio. If you liked what you heard, please subscribe and leave us a review. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. With the new Dexcom G7, you can achieve better diabetes results without painful finger sticks. It sends your glucose numbers to your compatible phone or watch, so you can always see where you are and where you're heading. See how food and exercise affects your glucose, making it easier to spend more time in range and lower your A1C. Take control of your diabetes with the number one recommended CGM brand. It's easy to get started today at Dexcom.com. That's Dexcom.com. Dexcom data on file 2023. If your glucose alerts and readings from the G7 do not match symptoms or expectations, use a blood glucose meter to make diabetes treatment decisions. For a list of compatible devices, visit Dexcom.com. You deserve a moment to yourself every single day. And a delicious bite of a Keebler Sandies can give you that comforting pause. Give yourself a delicious escape from the afternoon with the melt-in-your-mouth magic of a Keebler Sandies. This magic is baked into simple shortbread cookies by Ernie and the Keebler Elves. So as life continues to fly by, make the most of your me moment. Take a pause and enjoy a Keebler Sandies. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited-time 2% cashback on purchases. And pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024.